and welcome to Shameless, the pop culture podcast for smart people who love dumb stuff. You are joined, as always, by Melbourne writers Michelle Andrews and Zara McDonald. Hello, Zara McDonald, and hello, producer Annabelle Lee. Hello. Hello, hello, hello. Coming up on today's show, the Beckham documentary has been released, and we have oh so many thoughts. It appears that Gigi Hadid and Bradley Cooper are Hollywood's newest couple. <laughs> Emma Chamberlain <laughs> is single. It appears that all of social media is theorising that Andy Cohen and John Mayer are more than friends. Olivia Wilde's Instagram activity is under the microscope. And then finally, why did TikTok's it girl Matilda Jeff deactivate her account this week? First, Michelle, how was your week? A great week. I've got to say, guys, I know a lot of you don't see that moment that Zara just read out kind of in real life. You don't really see videos of that very often. But I do always love seeing Annabelle's face when she's just <laughs> learning what actually happened in pop culture this week. You had no idea, it seems, about, what was it? Maybe Andy Cohen and John Mayer. Andy and John, that's news to me. <laughs> yeah. So what people also might not realise is the only people that ever know in the entire universe what we're speaking about on the show yeah. is Michelle and I. <laughs> we kind of keep everybody very much in the dark. Yeah, so Annabelle comes on and she's always like, oh, It's a great test, though, to make sure what we're talking about is interesting. So that's good. Um, What are you recommending? I want to recommend Quarterback on Netflix. Have either of you heard of it? No. No. I wanted to Google it when I saw it in your notes, but then I thought, no, I'll give you the honour of explaining it to me. It's really Drive to Survive of the NFL. Oh. And I, and of course, my husband Mitch, really enjoyed it. We actually started watching it last night, watched a couple of episodes back to back. It follows Patrick Mahomes, who is now regarded potentially as being the greatest player of all time. He's only in his mid-20s. He is, of course, married to Brittany Mahomes, who was recently at dinner with Taylor Swift. So as a dedicated Swifty, I was like, it's only right that I investigate who this woman is and get across this part of pop culture. I think as well, because we've seen Travis Kelsey everywhere, I just wanted to know more about the NFL Particularly, I wanted to know more about quarterbacks. I feel like it's a huge part of American culture to date the high school quarterback. Totally. It's this term that's bandied around all the time. I've never really understood what it means. This series follows three quarterbacks through a season. And it's fascinating. It's widely regarded as the most difficult position to play in any sport. To be a quarterback is to essentially carry the pressure of the entire team on your back. Well, the only NFL players I've ever known are quarterbacks, right? Like Mm. Patrick Mahomes, I think is, apart from now, Travis Kelsey, the only NFL player that I know in the competition. Also because I know his brother Jackson on TikTok. Do you remember Annabelle's looking at the (laughs) He did these TikTok dances after the Super Bowl this year Mm. and copped a bit of flack for it on the pitch. Anyway, Mm. it was a whole thing. But that sounds really... Interesting. I mean, my version of this, I think, is like Friday Night Lights. Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's well, where I learned all about NFL. The other quarterback you know is Tom Brady. Of course. Yeah, and Tom Brady is also touched upon in this docu-series. It's just really interesting. If you're into sport, if you're into the kind of drive to survive, what was the break point? Is that the tennis one that yes, you enjoyed? Yes, absolutely. If you like these kinds of things, you will love quarterback. It got rave reviews when it came out earlier this year. And it's just a really easy watch. I want to watch that. Thank you. No problem. Hope you enjoy it. What about you? What are you recommending? I have a couple of things to recommend and I'll get through them very quickly. I know it's a big week in Oz this week. We have our referendum on the weekend. So I wanted to recommend a video produced by the Australian rapper Briggs. Now, I imagine that so many of our listeners have watched this video because it went completely viral. But if you haven't, 
please watch it. And if you have no idea what the video is, it's called Far Enough Vote Yes and it's sort of an independent production that the rapper Briggs created with a whole bunch of Australian comedians and directors. Everybody gave up their time for free, gave up half a day to shoot it and it wasn't actually funded by the official Vote Yes campaign or the government. Briggs Mm. created it outside of all of this. And I think what I loved so much about it is it answered some really common questions about the voice. And I can sit here and tell you very emphatically that I will be voting yes on the weekend. And if you don't know what we're voting on, find out, which is the whole crux of this video. The satire in this video was actually really refreshing and clever and enjoyable to watch. It has 121,000 likes on Senator Briggs's Instagram page. Yeah, it's, it's just such a clever video. So please watch it. We will put a link in our show notes. The second thing I want to recommend is a profile in Vanity Fair on Gab Waller. If you don't know who Gab Waller is, I would say right now she's Australia's best export. I would get starstruck if I saw Gab Waller out in the wild. I feel so proud of Australians. Here goes Anna. I'm <laughs> trying to Google who's Gab How so, do I spell a Waller? Yeah, right. so Gab Waller is, I would say, the world's most in-demand personal shopper. She's like a go-to person for sourcing, you know, fashion items that might be sold out, hard to find, out of season. She's worked with the likes of everyone from Sophia Ritchie and Rosie Huntington-Whiteley, Hayley Bieber. She is the sourcer, but you can DM her and get things sourced as well. So if you are looking for a designer piece, all you ever have to do is DM Gab's Instagram and they try to find it for you and they charge a flat rate on top of what it would already cost. She's like a detective, like a fashion... Fashion private investigator detective, and I love it. A hundred percent. She says she gets between 50 and 100 inquiries a day, which is so many, but Mm. she's just smashing it. She's originally from Rockhampton in Australia, and this profile kind of details how she even got into it. How does someone who actually didn't have a background in fashion, she actually started in government work in Canberra, yeah, get to the point where she's now in LA and the go-to person for celebrity personal shopping. From Canberra to Vanity Fair. From Rockhampton to Canberra to Vanity Fair in LA. How incredible. It's amazing. I couldn't love this story more if I tried, so please read it. Absolutely obsessed with that. Guys, as Zara just pointed to, we know it's been a really hectic week for so many different reasons. We are thinking of everyone. We hope you guys are okay. We're going to lean into the sugar and the entertainment and the joy with today's episode because that's what we promised to do here at Shameless and we're going to go hard. Zara, we're starting with the quick and dirty. We are and it's it's not quick but it will be d- dirty I guess. <laughs> So know. Zara's going to bring the dirty. <laughs> no, actually not that much dirty either. My first story, David Beckham documentary nets himself half a million new fans on social media. That is from The Guardian. We didn't recommend the Beckham documentary at the start of this episode because it's just so obvious. It's so obvious. I really wanted to recommend it because I inhaled all it's... four episodes in a single sitting. <laughs> I just, I don't know how you do. I'm quite impressive, aren't I? <laughs> the listeners who haven't watched this yet, it's four episodes but each episode is like an hour and 10 minutes. So long. <laughs> it's oh, like no. five hours of just like flat viewing. You're an athlete. I <laughs> am. You're a quarterback. If I am. If watching TV was a sport.
thought I would be a professional athlete at it. Mitch gave up about halfway through episode three. And then I just found myself sitting in the darkness in our living room with subtitles on and the volume way down because he was trying to sleep. And it did occur to me that maybe I need a life, but alas, no. no. I adored this documentary. I can't remember loving a sporting documentary this much in years. It's like the perfect blend of sport and celebrity. Annabelle, I know you watched it. Yeah. Did you enjoy it? Really, really enjoyed it. The best and maybe the only sporting documentary I've watched. It's just fascinating. And I saw a funny tweet yesterday, which was like, I've never been on the edge of my seat so much for a game that occurred 25 years ago. Because <laughs> yeah. I didn't know the outcome of a lot of these huge soccer games. No. I, I haven't always followed soccer. So I adored it. As the headline suggests, Mish, David Beckham gained 500,000 followers after it. I didn't know that there were 500,000 more people for him to capture. Yeah, 100%. Victoria Beckham has gained about 200,000 new followers. I have a brief Are You In Need of Some Intrigue Ooh. for this particular topic. The director of the Beckham documentary series is Hugo from Succession. I loved this <gasps> fact when you told me this. So wow. if you're imagining Succession, Hugo, of course, was the senior comms exec for Waystar, Royco. The that, The weedy little yeah. dweeby, um upper oh. echelon guy. He's, of course, an actor. His real name is Fisher Stevens. But on top of being an actor in Succession and, of course, the creator of this documentary series... He was also the Academy Award-winning documentarian behind The Cove in 2010. This guy is freakishly talented. Yeah, it's an amazing fun fact, so thank you. I, <laughs> I am sufficiently intrigued by that. Now, I think the documentary Beckham was impressive for so many reasons, but I think the first thing that you and I noted, Mish, was the fact that they got access to so many huge personalities in the UK. My jaw genuinely dropped when Anna Winter came onto oh the screen because I was like, how are they getting Anna Winter for this? Insane. I know the Beckhams are very, very famous, but Hannah doesn't do anything she doesn't want to do. She also said like maybe 10 words, yeah. but it was enough. I was like the fact her face, the fact she agreed to do this and she's on it is incredible for me. She also went to the premiere as well. So she's very much in support of this documentary. We had Sir Alex Ferguson. There were also plenty of famous former footballers like Gary Neville, who I very randomly have a crush on now. He's um, <laughs> There's something about Gary Neville. What, is, is he, he the best friend? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I thought this too. Like, he's got a, there's just something. <laughs> he's got... He's got je ne sais quoi. Yeah. <laughs> and he was he was the best man, yeah, at David and Victoria's. It's so unoriginal that you guys also like Aaron Neville. He just seems kind of cool and chill and, I don't know. Very emotionally aware. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. Mish, what were your big takeaway moments? Oh, so many. Of course, the one that's gone viral everywhere, I mean, for good reason, of David opening the door and... Stopping Victoria. She was trying to tell the producers that both she and David came from working class families when they were kids. And David interrupted her saying that and obviously didn't have a mic in front of him, but was saying, no, be honest. Like, be honest. What car did your dad drive you to school in? And badgered her until she admitted it was a Rolls Royce. I think moments like that are incredible. And I think it really taps into why people love David Beckham so much, because he does, despite having all the wealth and all the fame, there's something about David Beckham that feels relatable and approachable. I still think that about Victoria Beckham as well because she's able to take the piss out of herself. Yeah. Like I think she 
is the real hero of this documentary. I remember so much reading about her in my tabloid era from the ages of 10 (laughs) to 13. And it was sort of the time where there was this fixation on why Victoria Beckham didn't smile. Do you remember this? And everyone thinking that she was super moody and we were like desperate for her to smile and be friendly. And I remember unnamed sources in this tabloid era saying that she's the really funny one, that she's funny. And I've always remembered that because I, I kind of, haven't consumed a lot from Victoria Beckham. But if you watch this documentary, you realise she is very funny. She Mm. is very able to take the piss out of herself and also very much the backbone of that family. Oh, my God, I think as much as David Beckham is the focus of this and his career is amazing, you can only have a wonderful career and four kids if you have a wife or a partner that is willing to say, yes, I will follow you around the world and let you be in the driver's seat. For 20 years. Victoria Beckham is an icon and we here at Shameless, I'll speak for all of us, will hear nothing to the contrary. Nothing. I am obsessed with this woman. The stuff she put up with, not just from the media, but even from her own husband, to be totally frank with you, was so impressive. Just what she put up with and what she dealt with. I just have nothing but respect for her. I also found it fascinating how much shit David Beckham copped from the public, particularly the media, after he got red carded in the 1998 World Cup game against Argentina. I mean, that incident was seen as something that lost England the World Cup, despite it not being the very final of that World Cup, despite the fact that the team played on the rest of the game and then had penalties without David Beckham. He copped so much shit. And because of that, he went into this really deep depression of which he said, wherever I went, I got abused every day. To walk down the street and see people look at you a certain way, spit at you, abuse you, come up to your face and say some of the things that they said, that's difficult. I wasn't eating. I wasn't sleeping. I was a mess. It was very hard to watch that, I think, because... It feels, and I think we're probably going to talk a little bit more about this later in the show, but this stuff always feels very cyclical that one person is the centre of so much hate and then if they're able to do the thing where they don't say anything at the time and swallow it for 20 years and then they come out later and they're like, that was the worst time in my entire life. We're all very happy to turn around then and be like, oh my God, that's awful. Ignoring the fact that humans did this to him. Mm -hmm. Like the very people watching this documentary are probably the ones that inflicted this so much harm Mm. on someone like him and how I think dehumanised he was through this time. I mean, back to what we were saying about the, the, the dynamic between David and Victoria and David sort of doing what he wanted. How about that moment where he instead of sort of being at the scheduled caesarean of the birth of his child, he was at a photo shoot with J-Lo and Beyonce. I don't think I actually, um, to be transparent, I have watched this series twice now. But (laughs) (laughs) For research, you'll say. I watched it once with Mitch and then once with my sister Claire. The second time I watched this, I truly absorbed what was going on. I think the first time I had missed that she was saying, that she was actually giving birth when this photo shoot was happening. I agree. I felt like they did this a lot in the documentary where they said 70% of a story without giving us the the other 30%. So she wouldn't have said he was not there. She said, I couldn't believe that he wanted to go to a photo shoot when I was scheduled to have a cesarean and then you've kind of got the photos of the photo shoot and then him coming out and saying, yeah, she's given birth. So it's your job as the viewer to connect the dots and say, oh, he must have gone to that instead of the birth. It's not said as plainly as he missed our child's birth for a photo op. You're so right. And so the second time I watched this, I was like, what the fuck? Like, imagine your husband 
not being there with you at such an important moment and choosing to get a photo op with J-Lo and Beyonce instead. I also feel like they did this with the affair story that we touched on last week in that they never actually admitted to the fact that the affair happened. They spoke a lot about the press coverage and what the press said and then they spoke a lot about how these two got through that very, very difficult time and that's sort of all they said. I did find it very interesting that all the celebrity style stuff and all the stuff that made David Beckham come across as a little bit unlikable was contained to the final episode. Mm. And I understand why you'd want to contain it all in one place, but I thought it was fascinating that it was all in the last episode because it was kind of the taste in my mouth that I had as I finished, which was, oh, this is a guy that upped and moved constantly without really consulting his wife. He constantly wanted to keep playing football. He constantly wanted to move countries. He was selfish. I think that's a very... I think he describes himself that way. Yeah. He says, I only thought of myself for a couple of years and I did behave really selfishly. And it's it's kind of a tough watch. I still really like them. Well, I was going to say, on last last week's episode, maybe we'll, we'll put a little snippet here of what you said last week. These two are just amazing. I have no idea about anything, but I'm obsessed with them. <laughs> I have no idea about anything. I am also obsessed with them, I think. I want to watch the documentary and uh, see how it comes I'm across. I'm going to say what? I'm obsessed with them and then have to come back and apologise next week. <laughs> yes. I still, I still love them. I still love them. I do agree with you. When he was asked how they got through that time in the documentary, uh, that time being the affair time, and he just said, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. It's like, oh, uh, <laughs> we <do>. know. <laughs> yeah. She. Yeah. She got you through it. Mm. Yeah. I just find him a little bit tricky. I really love the Beckhams. I love them so hard, but I love them because of Victoria. I think David would be an incredibly difficult husband to have. I totally agree. Our second story. Gigi Hadid and Bradley Cooper arrive back to New York City together after apparent weekend away. That's from page six. I'm obsessed. Are we into it? I am. I couldn't be more into it. Why are you shrugging, Annabelle Lee? Oh, I just, I don't mind it. <laughs> Sorry, do you need what? more no, of a no, no, <laughs> emotion from me? Not at all. I'm into that. I I think I am into it. I'm not like passionate about it, but I'm into it. Now, in case you missed it, they were first papped only last week on Thursday, leaving dinner together and getting in the same car. And then two days later, they seemingly went on a, a night or two away with some weekender bags and they were papped in Bradley's car. Yeah, page six reported this. Gigi Hadid and Bradley Cooper returned to New York City in the same car on Saturday after seemingly jetting off for a quick getaway. They were papped with overnight bags, suggesting they'd been away for a night or two together. Yeah. Now, as a bit of context, Bradley Cooper was, of course, with Irina Shayk between 2015 and 2019. There were rumblings and rumours that they got back together, mm. you know, a year or so ago, but I don't think anything eventuated there. She went public with Tom Brady. Gigi, meanwhile, was linked to Leonardo DiCaprio for, I reckon, eight to nine months, but that seems to have fizzled sometime over the American summer. And I think what's interesting and for what it's worth is Bradley and Leo are quite good friends. According to the Daily Mail, they've holidayed in Mexico together. There are pap photos of them hanging out at Leo's Malibu home. Bottom line is if you Google these two together, there are so many photos of them on the internet. And we're pretty confident that Leo definitely dated Gigi, right? So this has thrown me, but then there were those photos, I think it was on Demois, of them like kissing in a corner at Fashion Week last year. And they were still sort of papped in the same orbit. Plenty of times. Plenty of times after that. So it has thrown me a little bit. 
As a quick fun fact, if you're interested. Oh, another Are You In Need of Some well, Intrigue? Well, it's not that good. But <laughs> a it humble needs woman. To be, yeah, there needs to be a level below Are You In Need of Some Intrigue, which I guess is just a fun fact. Um, Bradley Cooper and Leonardo DiCaprio actually first met when Leonardo DiCaprio was a massive star just on Titanic and Bradley Cooper was a hotel doorman. And what? Bradley Cooper told this story when he was interviewed in Esquire magazine in 2011 by Lisa Tadio, author oh, of Three I Women. Love. I know. I love that book. So she wrote this profile of him as Bradley Cooper was just after his hangover fame and was exploding. And she wrote this. In his 20s, Bradley Cooper was a film student and at night he was a doorman. There were candles just inside the door that would die every time it opened. He carried a lot of matches and each time a new guest was welcomed, he would scurry to the candles and relight them all and hurry back to the door and open it. The fire would die again, the cycle endured. One evening, he ferried Leonardo DiCaprio up to his room and Bradley Cooper thought to himself, we are worlds apart. He says he didn't mean that in terms of DiCaprio, you are famous, and I, Cooper, am wearing a doorman uniform. He says he was referring to art. DiCaprio, then in 1998, was riding the Titanic swells and Cooper, enrolled at the actor's studio, was still pinking in the audience when De Niro came in to guest lecture. I just loved that passage. That is uh, way more. In- I can't even remember what I said earlier in the episode. Hugo. That was supposed to- <laughs> oh no, Hugo's way better. more interesting. No, no he yours. was an actual doorman. He was a doorman, and, and that's th- how they met. I know, and now they're good mates and both very, very famous. And now I'm also very confused about the Gigi Hadid thing. But let's just see how this plays out. I just find it an interesting dynamic if you're dating two friends. What that would then be like at like birthday parties and stuff. But Gigi Hadid is in my past basket. She's a chiller, I reckon. So <laughs> We we know. Yeah. No, we do know that. Yeah. I think we can say with 100% certainty that Gigi Hadid's a chiller. Yeah, our third story. <laughs> Emma Chamberlain and role model reportedly call it quits after a three-year relationship. That's from BuzzFeed. Now, before I get into the weeds of this story, because mm. it's everywhere, mm. when I was looking for headlines for this story, I googled Emma Chamberlain breakup and the first headline that came up was from news.com.au, star couple you've never heard of break up. Why so nasty? Oh, I don't think that's nasty. I think that's actually realistic. Dare oh, I say, I, I think that's also a very clickbaity headline. It'd be like, what couple do I not know about? It's, it's like, I know all of them. I can guarantee Vicky Andrews would, despite having listened to many a shameless episode, will still not know who Emma Chamberlain is. All right, I'm going to message my mum after I get off this, <laughs> see if she knows who Emma Chamberlain is. Now, as I said, sources close to the situation told E! News last week that Emma Chamberlain and her musician boyfriend, whose real name is Tucker Pillsbury, have broken up and are no longer a couple. They first actually made their joint red carpet debut at the Vanity Fair Oscars after party in March 2022. Before then, she'd been really protective over this relationship and had kept it like a state secret. Then after that, two days later, Role Model released a music video for his song Never Let You Go. And Emma was the star of it, but it was just the back of her head, the whole music video. Very artsy. Very (laughs) artsy. And then it was around this time that they also did a joint profile with GQ where we really learned who he was and the nature of their relationship after she kept it secret for so long. And she just said in this interview that she wanted to you know, make elements public because she was sick of it being a secret. She said, there are parts of our relationship that are going to be private forever and those things we keep sacred. But I don't think we need to be secret anymore. I'm just like, I'm over that shit. Mm. Now, apparently these two met because Role Model had spotted Emma on TikTok 
in March in the pandemic, like in 2020, and just loved her videos. One of the videos was of her <laughs> twerking, apparently. He said on this, for some reason, I don't know why, had nothing to do with the twerking. I'm not a fucking creep, but it showed her personality. I feel like I'm good at reading people through a screen. Now, this was actually Role Model's first relationship. He's also said, truthfully, I've always genuinely been against them. I can't express it enough. I really was never picturing myself truly being in love. That is the biggest eye roll of what? I'm above love. So I wanted to put these quotes in because I have to be honest, beige flags. Yeah. Oh, red flag. If you're someone saying, I was trying to be polite. <laughs> red flag. If you're saying I'm someone who never thought I'd be in a relationship, like fuck love. What does that mean? Like, it means you, too cool for everything. You yeah. think you're too cool for love. Love's great. <laughs> yeah, look. Now, Emma is yet to comment. Dumois had a tip that she was talking about it at Fashion Week in Paris, but that's all we got. Yeah, nice. Okay. Coming up after the break, though, we have to talk about Andy Cohen, John Mayer, Olivia Wilde, and Matilda Jeff. So much still to come. <laughs> Our fourth story. Stop this train. Please tell me why people think John Mayer and Andy Cohen are in love. That's from Stuff. Guys, this is all over TikTok right now. And the crux of it is that people think the singer, songwriter, John Mayer, and Bravo television personality, Andy Cohen, are in a romantic relationship. To be clear, this is not a new rumour. This rumour is over five years old, so much so that Andy Cohen actually addressed it all the way back in 2018 when he told CNN, we have a very sweet friendship and we are together all the time. I was not surprised about the rumours because we have a great love for each other, so it just seems like the obvious assumption. quite like those quotes where it's like, yeah, yeah I don't blame anyone. We love each other a lot, but not in a relationship. Now, fast forward five or so years, and in June, the media actually covered some interesting quotes that Andy said on Howard Stern's show. Here's a snippet of them. I think next to me, the most mentions in your book are about John Mayer. I am in love with John Mayer. We are in love with each other. But you guys even go on like camping trips together into the, right. uh, I mean, swear in your children's lives, there's never been anything sexual between you Cor- and John yes, Mayer. Yes, I do. I swear. You swear? Yeah. Okay, so the we love each other bit, I'm in love with John Mayer bit, got covered everywhere and obviously was used as the headlines in lots of pieces and then buried in the articles was the clarification that Andy Cohen also says that they've never had a sexual relationship with each other. Yeah, I mean, I guess as is customary with the tabloids. Now, in August, Andy posted a photo to Instagram of John Mayer standing back while Andy's mum steamed one of his shirts And then a couple of weeks ago, Radar Online, which we should kind of have with a disclaimer here that Radar Online gets some stories right and other stories not right, ran a story that the two men are buying a house together. According to Radar Online, they had been looking to buy a property together in the Hamptons. One source supposedly close to the pair said it was true. Another said it wasn't. So (laughs) we're left not knowing anything more than we did 30 seconds ago. So a couple of days after that story did the rounds, John Mayer appeared on Andy Cohen's TV show, Watch What Happens Live. And they played a game where they essentially just rattled off the things that they love about each other. As part of the game, they had to (laughs) go into all the detail. 
They were throwing a breast implant back and forth. And when oh. you caught the breast implant, you had to say something you love about the other person. Andy, if you haven't watched it, Andy Cohen's TV show is quite quirky and the games are quite weird and they played it. Some of the things they loved about each other included Andy telling John, I love your supple lips. And John telling Andy, I love your FaceTimes where you're laying in bed in a hotel room and you're bored. But then in the same interview, John Mayer also said various things he loves and finds attractive in women, like women with caramel coloured hair or seeing a bra strap visible next to a right, spaghetti. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so I, look, they're probably almost definitely fucking with us. Fast forward to this week, particularly the last 48 hours. Multiple viral TikToks have taken off, positing that these two are together. It feels awfully reminiscent of the Taylor Swift, Carly Kloss trend that we covered a little while back. Only the quotes and the media and the examples of these two being supposedly romantically interested in each other are happening in current time and being analysed in current time. Yeah, exactly. I also think one thing we actually probably haven't touched on is the fact that Andy Cohen is gay. John Mayer has only ever publicly dated women. Mm. Now, the videos that are going viral on TikTok aren't necessarily all they seem. One viral video from a user called Sujin Shin has been watched over two million times and features a photo of these two at the Pride Festival holding hands. Now, that photo isn't actually real. It's been doctored using AI. The video also claims that they're living together, which isn't entirely true either. Yeah, we're not sure if they're living together. The video says it as fact. I was trying to figure out where this TikTok user got that from. We know that they often stay together. We know that John Mayer is often like a house guest at Andy Cohen's property. But beyond that Radar Online story you mentioned, Zara, beyond just like some Instagram photos staying together, we have nothing to suggest they're living together full time. Another video from a user at Murder Honey has 137,000 likes and asked pretty simply at the beginning, when are they going to publicly come out as a couple? The top comment on that video, and to be honest, the top comment on all of the viral videos speculating about this relationship is Perez Hilton let everybody know like 15 years ago or so. That refers to Perez Hilton's recent memoir. It was released a few years ago. It's called TMI, My Life in Scandal, where he claimed that in 2007, he had a, a makeout session with John Mayer before it became a three-way kiss with John Mayer and his then partner, Jessica Simpson. So naturally, lots of people are bringing that into the fold too. Yeah, and I also think the other relevant fact here is Perez Hilton is also not the most reliable source in the celebrity landscape. So we've got not the most likable source. No, not at all. We've got TikToks going viral, and then we have the only news outlets who people are relying on being Radar Online and Perez Hilton, which Mm. you know is not the strongest lineup. I'm going to be honest, but alas, I I do feel like in some way that Andy Cohen and John Mayer are having a little bit of fun with this. Oh, so much fun. I mean, they are fucking with us. I really don't think, I know some people will hear this segment and go, oh, should we be speculating? Andy and John must want us to speculate because they've literally done this TV special last week and it included not just the breast implant game, it included pillow talk where they were lying on pillows. They are playing into this and clearly in some way getting energy from the fact that we're all speculating. It's also been going on for five years and they clearly have no interest in dampening down what they're saying about each other. So I don't know what's going on. I truly don't know what's going on. I just know that Andy Cohen and John Mayer, by doing these TV segments together, 
are having a bit of fun with it. Yeah, our fifth story. Olivia Wilde slammed for Taylor Swift, Travis Kelsey comment. That is from news.com. So this is a funny one. Olivia Wilde is getting a little bit of flack for reposting a tweet about Taylor Swift to her Instagram stories. The tweet read, I wish Taylor Swift was in love with a climate scientist. Now, obviously, that tweet is alluding to the fact that Taylor's dating Travis Kelsey at the moment. It's getting an exorbitant amount of attention. The NFL is getting an exorbitant <laughs> amount of attention. I mean, Michelle just watched an NFL documentary, <laughs> if that helps. Oh, I'm so obvious and basic sometimes. So, obviously, Olivia's like, oh, imagine if she dated a climate scientist and then we'd all be talking about climate change. One tweet that I saw about this, which I found a bit of a lull in response to Olivia reposting this, was, I don't remember Harry Styles restoring the ocean. <laughs> On when they were dating, <laughs> which, and which is funny because I do. <laughs> he is perfect. Why would she post this? Can I we central on that for just I a don't second? No. Why would Olivia Wilde, with the number of like eyes on her at all times, decide that this was the tweet she wanted to post? I actually find this quite annoying because Olivia Wilde knows what it's like to be a public figure, and it's not the end of the world. But it's a bit of an annoying tweet to say, "I wish Taylor Swift was in love with a climate scientist." Olivia Wilde could be in love with a climate scientist and draw attention to it that way. It's just like an odd thing for another celebrity to put this up on their Instagram stories. It's like, why es- is it worth it? Especially because it's open to interpretation. Like, it doesn't feel like, of course, there's, I guess, one meaning you can glean from it. But I also think there are parts of this tweet that you can open up for interpretation. For example, other people were speculating that she might be alluding to the reports of Taylor Swift's, you know, significant carbon footprint. Because you guys might remember <laughs> last year, Taylor Swift was named one of the celebrities with the worst private jet CO2 emissions. Wasn't it, she named the worst? Yeah, she was, she was top of the list. certainly up there. Now, this was, remember, based on data from the Celebrity Jet's Twitter account and found that her plane took 170 trips between January and July of 2022. <laughs> <laughs> now, Sorry, it's not funny, but it's, it's, it's a so lot of private tri- trips. Yeah, but then don't you remember her team came out and said Taylor's jet is loaned out regularly to other individuals to attribute most or all of these trips to her is blatantly incorrect. I have to come on the record and say, I don't remember exactly what I said about this last year, but I'm more than sure I have regret. No, yeah. Because if there's one thing I've been learning or maybe being reminded of as Taylor Swift's doing the Eras tour is how completely unable she would be to fly like the rest of us, even if she's flying first class. Oh, yeah. It would be a safety hazard to her. It would be a safety hazard to the rest of us. And also it would delay any plane she ever got on. She is mobbed. Can you imagine? Yeah, no, I think we got this wrong last year. I don't so know what we expect. This is our mea culpa, perhaps, because last year I remember being like, she's in my past basket, but this is something I can't excuse. <laughs> <laughs> I actually can't <laughs> I <laughs> I can't excuse this actually. No. Taylor Swift is not I know I think in that segment I was even like other oh, celebrities can get on gold like go I was about to say gold class it's called first class. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> other celebrities can do first class why can't Taylor? Taylor is not like other celebrities. She is one of the handful of celebrities dare I say who would cause complete 
chaos if it she was on a, a publicly ruckus. accessible flight. Can you imagine how annoyed people would be as well if she tried? I do think, unfortunately, she is one of the only people. We don't have a world that is conducive to her flying like the rest of us. It cannot happen. And unfortunately, she's going to have to destroy the ozone layer to make <laughs> it happen. No. Now, the other thing I wanted to bring into this is there was an interesting piece that dropped in Vulture last week just after we recorded our episode and we were kind of shattered. Because Devastated. The piece was so good and it was like perfect for us. But I realised it's kind of perfect to bring it in this kind of line of conversation because this story dropped with the headline, Did Taylor Swift attend a New York Jets game to distract from her private jets? The premise of this story was very simple. It was... Did Taylor Swift go to her second NFL match in a row, the Chiefs versus the Jets, with a whole bunch of celebrities like Hugh Jackman and Blake Lively in order to make sure that when you Googled Taylor Swift Jets, her CO2 things didn't come up? Mm, I think this is a very, very compelling theory. As per Vulture, the most guilty of private plane using celebs now have a whole new crop of links, photos and stories that come up when you Google Taylor Swift jet. It went on. Okay, no one is saying Taylor Swift is maybe dating football player Travis Kelsey with the sole purpose of one day watching a New York Jets game from the comfort of a private suite in order to permanently (laughs) bury the emissions data about her private jet usage and catapult pictures of her and the Deadpool universe to the top of the Google results instead. But she, like the shrewdest of celebrities and most humble of bloggers alike, is almost certainly not ignorant of a too-good-to-be-true coincidence of search engine optimization. I actually do want to test this. Maybe it's backfired. The fact that people have drawn attention, to drawn this attention now. to this. I mean, we're suddenly talking about her private jet usage all over again. When you Google Taylor Swift jets, unfortunately, now it's not the photos of her at the game. It's this conspiracy theory. <laughs> <laughs> so Vulture beat her at her own SEO <laughs> game. The piece then detailed other examples of celebrities doing this. Some Taylor Swift, some not. I've got to be honest. I felt like a fool reading this, I felt like a total fool because I was like, of course, this is what celebrities do. How have I never clued on to this? Now, Vulture wrote in that piece, though we're still a few weeks out from 1989 Taylor's version, fans are already theorising that her from the vault track slut, exclamation point hers, will take back the narrative surrounding her love life and all the vicious slut shaming she got from the media and the public eye. Yeah, so too long didn't read. Or the simple version of that is you type in Taylor Swift slut or maybe even Taylor Swift dating, suddenly this song is coming up instead of the commentary that she's dated too many men, which is bullshit for the record. Exactly. So power to her. Go for your life. The other examples they gave was Rob Lowe appearing in the 2014 comedy Sex Tape, which distracted from his own in the 1980s when he was filmed having sex with a teenager, which is a pretty horrific Rob Lowe story. There's another Taylor Swift one that I turned my laptop to Michelle and read out and we were both <laughs> very intrigued. So interested in your thoughts on this one, Annabelle. Well. Not sure if it's a stretch or not. Yeah, I don't know. We'll, we'll actually poll the listeners about okay. this one on Your Say Friday because I'm fascinated. Taylor Swift 1975. When you Googled that once upon a time, mm-hmm. the photo of Taylor and Carly Kloss perhaps kissing at the 1975 concert would be the first thing to come up. Now, when you Google Taylor Swift 1975, of course, the first thing to come up is that she was in a rumoured relationship or a fling with the 1975 frontman Matty 
Healy. Oh. So is it possible that Taylor had this fling with the strategy that she would bury those photos of Carly Kloss? This theory is the most compelling theory not this specific 1975 one, but the whole crux of this article is the most compelling theory I have for how Taylor Swift approaches her publicity. Mm. It makes a lot more sense now what kinds of stories she deliberately makes public and what ones she doesn't. For example, with the Maddie Healy Taylor Swift story, that was like a sun rumour, you know, on a Monday. By the Friday, he was at a concert in like Nashville and she made it very obvious she wanted us to be talking about it. And at the time, I couldn't work out why she wanted it to be so public so fast. Mm. And now anytime any celebrity like this is making something so public so fast, I think we can ask this question. I have one more example, which is the most random of them all. This is from the Vulture piece. It's around Walt Disney. (laughs) (laughs) Now, In order to give you this theory, I need to read you a quote from the BBC first to set it up. The BBC wrote a couple of years ago, Have you heard the rumour that following his death, Walt Disney was frozen? The story goes that he was cryogenically frozen so that he could be brought back to life once the science had been developed. Surely we're all familiar with this. This is like a detail that I have just assumed was fact. Yeah, is this why Disney released Frozen? Oh my God! <laughs> my brain is blowing up. I know, it's a <laughs> And I want to put on the record, it might be a stretch. But it also might not be. That's the thing. Some of these could be. And I think some of the examples in this article were a bit of a stretch for me. Yeah, for sure. But some of them weren't. And so some of them made me really have a good think about... I think this is all a thing. Yeah. I wanted to say that Hamish and Andy term. Um, this has been blown wide open. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's fascinating. Can we poll our listeners on these specific examples? Yeah, let's give every single one and be like, was this a plant to like re-engineer Google and re-engineer what was coming up with SEO and first Google results? Or is this a stretch? We're going to do that for Your Say Friday. Can't wait to hear what you think. Is that all we've got? Yeah, that is all we've got. Thank you so much. Thank you, next bitch. It's the story you probably missed this week. Matilda Jerf, one of the it girls of the modern era, deactivated her TikTok account amidst a flurry of critique. It turns out her fashion brand, Jerf Avenue, had been reporting videos from small creators and having their content pulled down all because they were reviewing Jerf dupes, items from Amazon in particular that looked near identical to Matilda's designs only for a fraction of the price. Some people are furious at Matilda, others are confused as to what the hell is going on, and others, mostly us, are desperate to talk about the culture of dupes in general. If 2023 is the year of the dupe, what does that mean for creativity and ideas and originality? Let's unpack it all, Zara, starting with Matilda Jeff. Yeah, so we've spoken a bit about Matilda Jeff before. She's 26. She has over 3 million social media followers. She is at the helm of her business, Jeff Avenue, that you mentioned, Mish, before, which is reportedly worth about $35 million USD. It's kind of done amazingly well. You guys might remember that last year, the New York Times did a profile on Matilda with the title, Making Matilda Jeff a Household Name. She is a big, big deal. She was the golden girl for a time. But as with a lot of our golden girls, we've decided to strip them of a bit of their sheen after a year or two. Isn't it a tale as old as time? The golden girl of one year will be the 
punching bag. Yeah. The following year. Yes, absolutely. She is a punching bag right now. So Jeff Avenue does very well. There is commentary in some corners online that the brand's prices are inaccessible. Like, for example, a blazer will set you back about $300, pants $220. And as a reaction or response to this, there's been a sort of find a dupe mentality that sprouted on TikTok. People want the look for less Mm. and micro-influencers have begun creating videos about how you can get the look for less, which get heaps of views. Heaps of views. This kind of trend of here's how you get the Jerf Avenue aesthetic on a budget is really, really popular and performs really well. Only, of course, the business, Jerf Avenue, clearly hates this. It's bad for business. It's bad for brand. So they've been doing something called copy striking. This is a term that was really popularized on YouTube. So if you watch YouTube back in the day, you'll be familiar with this. But copy striking is when a video is taken down because it's seen as a trademark or copyright infringement. Essentially, Jerf Avenue says that these videos should be taken down because the products featured in the videos that are dupes are stealing Jerf Avenue's intellectual property. Yes. Now, take Summer Slays, for example, who has 36,000 followers and often shares videos with cheaper recommendations or alternatives. She posted two videos recommending dupe items and both got removed after being struck by Jeff Avenue. Now, Summer Slays will likely struggle with content creation for a little bit. It is widely believed that when you get a warning or a strike from TikTok, your videos can get deplatformed from the algorithm. Yeah. Now, when Summer Slays told her followers about this, they went pretty wild and her video was watched by hundreds of thousands of people. The top comment has 18,000 likes and reads, Matilda, Jerf, baby, you have too much time on your hands for this. Yeah, another really popular comment with 2,000 likes is at Matilda Jerf in the year of the Barbie movie. Really? <laughs> Sorry, that I, I can't believe that comment is so popular. 2,000 likes. It's really interesting. Another popular sentiment with 4,000 likes was, the jealousy is hysterical, lol, keep doing you. So that's to say... Matilda? The jealousy. So jealous, it's hysterical. So I think what's really obvious from the comment section of this video, and not just like the, we're not just pulling out random comments, like these are the most popular. These are the most popular comments. You've got this idea that Matilda Jeff is a jealous woman who is anti woman doing this. And I think I. She's not a girl's girl. Yeah. Now, yeah, you were actually right. You made this comment last week. This is exactly what I've been talking about in the year of the Barbie movie, really. It's like this is a business doing what the business wants to do. Whether you think it's right or wrong, I don't don't know. I don't really care, to be honest. Mm. I don't actually think it's that evil. Would I do the same? I'm not sure. I don't Mm. run a clothing business. I don't know the ins and outs. But to say that this is a jealous woman who is not a girl's girl. Who has too much time on her hands. Who has too much time on her hands reminds me so much of how we don't let women do business. Like we just simply do not let women do business, that we constantly make everything appear personal. We assume that everything is personal. Mm. And it's like this is a 26-year-old woman running a multi-million dollar company. By the way, the dupes that people are finding are not other small businesses that they're supporting. They're mostly from Amazon. Like I totally appreciate that some people want to find things for more affordable price points. Mm. I get all of that. But I also think a brand is, if they are correct in that they're, copyright, their trademarking is being infringed upon. They have every right to say this is not something that we're allowing to fly on social media. Yeah. I think what a lot of people are angry about is that instead of 
Jeff Avenue going after these small businesses or these other businesses on Amazon. They're going after creators posting videos. And Jeff Avenue has admitted that they got this wrong and they're not going to do it anymore. So they released a statement which read, to safeguard our prints and the individual print designers, we have hired an external intellectual property firm monitoring copyright infringements. It then clarified that the company was made aware that these creators were suffering and that they are halting any flagging of videos effective immediately. I think it was a mistake. I do think it was a mistake to go after small creators, but it's a mistake that a lot of businesses with this many people involved, this many chefs in the kitchen could make without standing back and going, hang on, could this end up being a big publicity PR disaster? I understand it's frustrating that small creators have been affected, but... The level of anger towards Matilda Jerf, like the math isn't really mathing with the level of vitriol online. She's now deactivated her account. Yeah, and I I know that this isn't black and white because other people have come out and said, okay, well, it's really rich of them to come after dupes when they use, you know, photos of vintage clothing that inspires some of the stuff that they're creating. I totally appreciate that this isn't black and white, but I just despise how cyclical this all feels. And I also refuse to believe that people are that offended. Mm. I honestly refuse to believe that people are going to bed really stressed about the fact that Matilda Jeff's company was copy striking other people's videos on TikTok. Like, I feel very confident that people aren't driven by the injustice of this whole thing, but are very wholly driven by the fact that there is a chip in this perfect girl's armour and they want to take an axe to it. Yeah. This has also kicked off a pretty interesting conversation about Dupes. I want to talk about an article I read in The Cut a little while back because I think it was really brilliant. It was titled Drowning in Dupes. Shoppers will buy anything except the real thing. It was written by Sangeeta Singh Kurtz. And essentially, it posited that TikTok has been huge in rebranding what a dupe means. I mean, a dupe or a duplicate, which the phrase is short for, used to be seen as something that was a little bit cringe culturally. I mean, it was seen as you have the ripoff, you have the fake, you don't have the original classier version of this product. But dupes have been rebranded to be something that's now actually seen as incredibly savvy and clever. But dupes being duplicates, duplicate means copy, right? Yeah, it does. So how do we feel about products being literally copied? I don't know. I don't know how we feel about that. But it's certainly something that I've witnessed online that we are so willing for things to just be ripped off these days and sold for cheap. Yeah, I find this really hard to talk about. When it comes to this line of thought, I'm probably inconsistent with my thinking that there are some examples that really anger me and some that are different. But it's sort of hard in a soundbite to define what makes a good dupe and a bad dupe. Mm. I think what I largely think is I do struggle when you know a makeup product might come out and it's like exactly the same packaging I sit with that and I'm like god it just feels so blatant right it feels so shameless and there is a difference to me between saying here's like a complete replica of this other thing rather than hey here's something we're going to take inspo from especially let's talk about beauty for example because I think we will talk about beauty in a second I can see how it's like that product is kicking off for other brands, let's make a version of that. But maybe like just, just like repackage it a little bit well, differently. Bring something different All to the I, table. I don't yeah. think that in this world there is such thing as a, a wholly original idea. Mm. I think that's a really 
fair thing to acknowledge, mm-hmm. that ideas are really hard and it's really hard to work out where ideas come from. Mm. But at some point, you've got to be confident in what your spin on the idea is, I think, right? Yeah. I think this is where I find it fascinating how MCO Beauty has taken off this year. Because yeah. MCO, which was also formerly known as Model Co Beauty, has exploded particularly overseas. It's an Australian brand, but it's exploded overseas primarily through TikTok because they are shamelessly duping luxury makeup brands. I would love to know how Charlotte Tilbury and Drunk Elephant feel about MCO Beauty because MCO is so boldly just going after their exact product. And they've admitted to this. Founder Shelley Sullivan from MCO Beauty told the Nine Network this year, we're doing it because our customers can't afford to go and spend $100 on a foundation or $65 on a concealer these days. They come to us and say, I wish I could buy this Chanel foundation. Could you create something that's for a quarter of the price? So the team goes about creating a quality formula and the reason we can offer the product at such a cheap price is because of the volume that we make. We're fast fashion, but for beauty. You look at what Zara does and they're duping Balmain, Chanel, and all these other brands. We're doing the same. I have to be honest. I at least appreciate the ability for them to come out and say... The honesty. Yeah, the complete honesty. It's like, oh, you feel a bit like hit in the face with it. It's like, oh, okay, we are talking about this. Yeah. Like, we will acknowledge this. But it's not something we're going to sweep under the rug. In fact, for them, it's their whole business model. For me, I look at one major product, which is like the Charlotte Tilbury Flawless Filter, which I'm a big user of. That's a product that's been duped left, right and centre. I do wonder if it sort of has the effect of making Charlotte Tilbury look greedy for charging an amount to consumers that other that people now don't think they should be charging. It's like, mm. well, you can make this for cheaper, so why are you charging me $65, $70? But the conversation we were having yesterday, Mish, at our desk is, isn't the value, not only in, I guess, maybe the difference in packaging and the the difference in ingredients and the brand fame, but also isn't the value in being first to market with their idea? Yeah, like, engineering it. Yeah. The creativity. Yeah, I know, but then I feel like such a fraud because last night I was looking at a pair of shoes on Tony Bianco that are very reminiscent of a pair of Prada shoes. Exactly. And I had no qualms about buying a pair, a pair of Tony Bianco shoes that look just like the Prada version. Exactly. And so when it, like, I don't know. I think <laughs> I think we feel funny about it in beauty because we're not used to it. Yeah. I think in fashion it's been going on since the dawn of time. Yeah. But I think with beauty it suddenly feels uncomfortable and feels so shameless. And that's why I said at the start, I feel inconsistent with this because there are some examples that get me angry and then there are some things I'd probably buy. I can't pretend to be perfect. And I think you and I, to be really self-aware and you as well, Annabelle, would feel more skin in the game with this because it's like someone coming out, say, okay, say a product we make people pay for, like this week's episode of Shame More about engagements and ultimatums. It's like listening to that episode, transcribing it, tweaking 2%, then putting it out for a cheaper price and saying, here's the exact thing you are going to get for a cheaper price. And if someone did that to us, I would be irate. If you're not in the business of creating something and then selling it for money, I am genuinely curious how much you care about this. I do think probably the listenership will care a little less than we do. Even if you do have some level of skin in the creative game, I can't guarantee that all creative people have a perfect track record of being like wholly and fundamentally against dupes. Because it's so blurry. Well, you're a consumer at the end of the day. You're worried about your bank balance. Yeah. Annabelle, Mm. how have you felt listening to all of this? Fascinated. It's just made me think about my own buying behaviours, I guess, because I do think I own more dupes than I do originals. Yeah. But when I'm thinking about it more broadly, it is kind of like, 
oh, copyright. That, yeah. It makes me a little I don't confused. know. I don't yeah. know. Are you surprised to hear about the vitriol coming Matilda Jeff's way? No, I'm not surprised because she's a successful woman. I mean, I'm always going to be a little bit surprised by how harsh people go. People yeah. Feel, yeah. I, this, I agree with you. I am, I am surprised stupidly and foolishly about the level of vitriol about this. Again, I'm not going to sit here and say that Jeff Avenue have been... Perfect. Perfect. I don't know the ins and outs of this, yeah. but I just refuse to believe there's this much legitimate anger about it. No. I do. Sorry. And the, the people who are it's doing these like, like pieces to camera being like, it's awful. Jeff Avenue should be ashamed. What are you like? Well, what are we talking come about? Come on. Are yeah. we really that angry or are we just reveling in the glossy it girl having some of that sheen taken off? It'll just shit me up the wall every single <laughs> time. Yeah, because the, the sad thing is... Like I've fucking seen this before. Yeah. I've seen it a hundred times before. Because the it girls of this year, Madeline Argie and Alex, Alex Earl, Earl, this will probably happen to them next year. It is, I feel like every year on Shameless, we see an it girl rise and the following year we see people try to... Rip them try down. to be gleeful in their fall. Yeah, it is the gleefulness as well. They're very, very happy to do it. Fuck, we're predictable. Oh, we are. That is all we've got time for today. A big thank you for listening to this episode. If you want to support the show, click follow on Spotify or Apple or wherever you get your podcasts. It is so, so helpful for us to help other people find our show. We still want other people to find this show, so please do that. Yes, Spread the word, everybody. And Annabelle, thank you for being our audio editor. Of course. And putting this app together. Anything and to add? You. No, love you all. Oh, right. <laughs> nice. What a so way to disingenuous. Win. Sorry, yeah. but I promise love, I do. Love you all. <laughs> all right. Like a robot. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, guys. Bye. Media. This podcast was recorded on Wurundjeri land. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land. Hello guys, Mish here. I am the co-founder of Shameless Media. Thank you so much for giving us your ears and your mind and your time. We're so grateful. If you enjoy the stuff that we produce, may I recommend our brand new podcast, Style-ish Stylish, if you want to say it quickly. Style-ish, if you want to take the long way through. It is our podcast for all things fashion, brand, business, and beauty. If that is in your wheelhouse, if you care about style content, you will love this show. It is, of course, more than just a show as well. It is a newsletter. It is an Instagram feed. It is a TikTok account. There is so much good stuff going out on Stylish every single day starting now. So in your favorite app, search for Style-ish. Give it a listen. Give it a follow. We are an independent media company and we would be so, so grateful for all your support. That's all for me, guys. Check out Stylish and have a good one.